What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and more. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in stores 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor. Fastest payouts. They help out with automatic splits, cover song clearance, and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases. I dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians, bands, studio artists, DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home. And they also offer label services as well. They're distributing over a third of the world's digital music at this point. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper. Check out the link in the episode notes. I will also put it in my Instagram bio in the link tree. Click that link and it will give you 30% off your first year of service. Super stoked to have DistroKid sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their support of this thing. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Produce Row Cafe here in Portland, Oregon. This has become one of my favorite local hangs because they have free music every Wednesday night from 6 to 8 p.m. and Sunday afternoons 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. They are located in inner southeast Portland, and not only do they offer free music on their their large patio setup, but they've also got a killer brunch menu from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Saturdays and Sundays. The French toast and the breakfast sandwich are lights out, and I can't really do much alcohol personally, but I love their Virgin Bloody Marys, and they've got some other mocktails for folks like me as well. And they're always rotating in new seasonal cocktails. So come through and check out what they've got on deck for fall and winter down there. The patio is now nice, covered, and heated and will be throughout the fall and winter. So come through and big thanks to Produce Row for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning into the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so, and that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts, which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels, helping strangers find the podcast in just a great way to contribute to the growth and sustainability of this thing appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to do so if you're not listening on apple just hit like follow subscribe wherever you are listening from uh share it with a friend tell somebody about it any of those things are uh super helpful and uh i've been putting some monthly playlists up on spotify as well so those are coming at you every first of the month so stay tuned for that may one coming at you very soon and i've also got all of those up on apple music as well now so the links for those things will be in the episode notes i am chilling on a porch in oklahoma city right now at my friends benja and natasha's house it's a trip i met them in portland oregon maybe like six or seven years ago and they are being so gracious to let myself and the incredible high pulp band the nine piece crew crash with them this evening as uh, high pulp is playing the norman music festival here in oklahoma tomorrow so stoked to be out on the road with the gang it's been like five or six days of uh doing a lot of driving 
through Texas, and last night we were in Kansas City, and that was super fun. So uh, stay tuned for some, some tour diary episodes. I definitely want to expand upon all of my adventures out here, but don't want to spend 30 minutes in the intro of this episode, episode 306. Abigail LaPelle from Toronto, Canada is on the show this week, and we're going to get into that conversation momentarily, but yeah, maybe uh, sometime this upcoming week, I'll drop one of these tour diaries and kind of talk about my first week out here and some of the adventures going on with the High Pulp crew, but we are coming through the Midwest and all over the East Coast for the next three, four weeks, so uh, check out the High Pulp dates. I am stoked to share yet another conversation this week that I recorded out at this year's Tree Fort Music Festival in Boise. Abigail is an incredible singer-songwriter, and I love her vocal delivery and just think she's got this really dynamic approach. And I got to see her play this really intimate solo acoustic set at Tree Fort in which she had complete commands and the attention of the crowd, just one of those memorable sets that I saw out there at Tree Fort this year. And uh, I dug talking to her and getting to know where her style derives from and thought process and insight into her tunes. And she was just super kind and fun to hang with. And she's got this brand new record called Stolen Time that just came out last week. So be sure to check that out. Definitely featuring some tunes from that and some others throughout this episode. If you're in the Portland, Oregon area, be sure to check out free music going on at Produce Row Cafe. Every Sunday, DJs spinning vinyl and Thursday evening, singer-songwriters, jazz trios, and more. And speaking of jazz trios, don't miss former guest of the podcast, Jeff Chilton, and his trio down there at Produce Row Cafe every first Thursday. Big thanks to all the sponsors. All their links will be in the episode notes along with the links for Abigail LaPelle. And we're going to get into this thing. I hope everyone is doing well out there. And this is episode 306 with Abigail LaPelle. And we are kicking it off with one of my favorite jams from her brand new record, Stolen Time. It's called Ships. Let's do the damn thing. Beautiful dreamer 
cool. Let's do it. Awesome. Stoked to uh, to chat with you. I've had the uh, opportunity to get familiar with your your tunes over the last couple of weeks when I found out I was going to talk to you here. So it was really nice, I thought, to get to see you play live first and kind of get to see you play solo and kind of, you know, hear the tunes in their, maybe their like purest form, rawest form yeah. of just you doing <laughs> the thing is uh is a cool entry point and getting to see you play for sure oh cool yeah it was very intimate is it uh just as fun for you to get to play solo as it is with a band or is it just a completely different thing for you yeah it's pretty different i mean i think there's pros and cons for both for sure like the i i sort of enjoy the simplicity to be honest as an audience member as a listener i really enjoy seeing people do kind of solo acoustic or really stripped down um especially i mean i guess depending on on the musician but yeah i find that can be often like really special especially when you're you know inundated with a lot of louder bands and then you kind of stumble upon someone just kind of doing their thing um in a more intimate way so so yeah i think there's nice things about it for sure yeah i also enjoy that especially i mean the people that are there to see it usually are fans of singer songwriters so i think it's cool to get to hear it in that form and just kind of get to know the music that way and and then have the different experience with the record too yeah, totally. I guess, to be honest, I've been disappointed in the past when there was someone that I really enjoyed as a singer-songwriter and then and then saw them with a band, and it was like, oh, it just kind of sounds like any other band as opposed to you kind of... Anyway, so yeah, um, I miss my band, though. It's It's been a while since I've been able to play with a full band and because um, I haven't been touring or anything for most of the last two years, so I'm looking forward to doing some full some full band shows. Yeah, I know you're saying that it's kind of been like the first month that you've been out and about in the world, being yeah. so locked down in in Canada. Yep, and I also might have mentioned if I make like a really dumb joke on stage, I like having the having the drummer there to like punctuate it. So <laughs> you got to be your own drummer. You're just yeah. doing foot stomps for yourself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you even uh, you threw it threw it back and played uh you know yellow rose off of survivor tonight, yeah, ooh, which was cool yeah that was a deep cut that set was so funny i probably shouldn't say this but i pl- i burned through my set list i don't know <laughs> why and at one point i looked at the time i was almost done my set list and i looked at my watch and it had only been like 15 minutes of it so I was kind of improvising. Yeah, is it not often that maybe a song that old gets worked into the set? <laughs> no, I never play that song. But I and then I anyways, it was a funny it was a funny day. But usually it's the opposite. Normally I would run short on time. Right. But you never have too much time. No, you never have too much time and just like as a guitar player it's never too loud. No one ever asks you to turn up. So, man, that was interesting. But yeah, it worked out okay. And then I played that tune and then I ran out of time for the other song. <laughs> this is a lot of insider. <laughs> this conversation will be only interesting <laughs> to like whomever was at that show just now. But yeah. Is it strange engaging with a, a song that's old, like that old for you and, and just kind of seeing what, like maybe where lyrics connect for you now or like what you were going through when you were writing a tune 10 years later? Yeah, uh, totally. I mean, it almost feels like doing a cover song. Like it's kind of an old tune that I've heard myself play many times. So it feels like there's something nice about that actually. I like playing old songs. I mean, a lot of songwriters I know are really into doing only their newer things. And I tend to be very conservative in in trying out new stuff. So yeah, the older the older songs are nice for me to sing. And, I, and that's one I don't do ever with a band. So yeah, so it's kind of cool at a at a really nice show like that where people are actually listening and yeah yeah it was cool to just see people you know just take the floor and (laughs) and fill up the floor sitting down and you know it was just a a cool little quiet intimate space and yeah it's like a dance floor only for sitting (laughs) and being extremely mellow and sad in a good way hopefully my love is a yellow rose
also like appreciate the solo setting for the reason that you can kind of just like call an audible and change it up on the fly yep. if you if you you don't really have to like worry about that a band knows this set and this set only kind of thing and you're locked into that yeah exactly and even just even just like timing wise or yeah it's a little more improvisatory so that can be cool or i'll i'll just um i feel like my tempo is very um it's like speeds up and slows down a little bit which which is nice with the band too but yeah there's a little more freedom i can kind of go off in different little tangents a little more yeah well let's go even further back than survivor and like talk to me about your entry point in the music and growing up in the toronto area is that originally where you're from or okay toronto toronto canada the big smoke (laughs) that's what they call it um i am from originally north york which is a suburb of toronto and uh at some point they amalgamated all the suburbs came together anyway but i lived in montreal for a lot of years and so i guess i started playing yeah when i moved there in my 20s i played in a lot of different bands and did a bunch of stuff and uh that was kind of in the in the 2000s so there was a lot of attention being paid to montreal to the quote unquote montreal scene so yeah that was a really fertile and and interesting time to be there did you go to mcgill up there no i went to concordia okay that's the other university all right but i wasn't a music person i, I mean i didn't study music oh there was a there's a big music program both at concordia and mcgill i feel like concordia was kind of like the weirder kind of people they have a lot of like electro acoustics um which i'm not even sure what that is but that's where and like jazz which is like anything that's not classical i guess falls under that category so yeah so i went to concordia but i was very um casual as a student i was i didn't finish high school so i ended up going to university like in my 20s as a mature student and i just went like extremely part-time for i think it took me eight years to do my undergrad but you got to play a lot of music yeah exactly i got to play a lot of music and toured around and yeah were you uh did you pick up an instrument from as as a kid then yeah, I taught myself to play guitar. I found a guitar in my house that I I don't know it, where even it came from. It was pretty it was pretty beat up. It was kind of like held together with duct tape. And uh I named it Dylan. <laughs> After my hero, Bob Dylan. And then I learned to I kind of taught myself to play, but like I didn't even have I think eventually I got a book of chords, you know, like chord charts. But I didn't even have that originally. I would just kind of like literally just hit the strings until it sounded like something. And and there was no YouTube at that time. So I was on my own. But (laughs) but, I mean, don't get me wrong. Since then, I've hit up some YouTube videos. Yeah, I never really studied music. I, I always loved music, though. I always loved singing and writing songs. And I started playing guitar probably when I was like 12, 13, pretty, pretty early did a little bit of piano lessons um i did sing in choirs too for a few years which i really liked do you have uh, like other friends that played music or was there like any sort of like what was the guitar doing in the house abigail yeah, was well, there like fa- <laughs> like family that played tunes at all yeah for sure i mean i think probably just, i was the youngest of four and so my older siblings would i don't know like i think the b- guitar was probably my brothers you probably found it in the trash or like at a yard sale or something like that Uh, my mother played piano and we had actually we had a grand piano in our house which took up like half the house but so that was cool but she was actually was very cool of her because she had taught piano a little bit and she was really opposed to like forcing us to learn an instrument if we didn't want to because I think she'd had so many bad experiences with with students who didn't want to be doing it and with her own piano teachers where you know like old school they would like slap your hand with a ruler if you made a mistake so she was very um not kind of overbearing about it and didn't really force it so so yeah I didn't take piano very long but it's nice as as a foundation to just kind of get a little bit of music literacy and and yeah but yeah so many of my friends are are major music nerds and I'm I'm very slowly kind of getting more interested now and learning a bit more theory and and sort of practicing a bit a bit more deliberately yeah do you also find that having that foundation on the keys is super helpful in informing your vocals and learning to sing even 
Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's yeah, for sure. Because it's such a, it's so intuitive as a visual, like a keyboard is laid out in front of you um, in a way that makes a lot more sense compared to a guitar. I still don't, I still don't quite understand the physics of it. <laughs> um, and now I do, I play a little bit of accordion on the new record. And um, so yeah, I think it's a, I think it is really good. And singing in choir, for sure, like, that's a good, that's some good ear training. But... I've gotten more interested the last couple of years in doing a bit more sort of learning vocal technique or doing more warm-ups and things to make it more sustainable because it's so easy to ruin your voice when you're performing every night and lyrics were you always writing in some form as a kid did that come pretty early on too yeah i always was writing songs always always although i never really wrote them down i still don't i i'm trying to work at it more but i usually just sing and don't physically write it down yeah as long as i can remember i always wrote songs i don't really understand it's hard for me to imagine that people don't write songs (laughs) It's, I feel that. Yeah. <laughs> do you make Do you make up songs? Yeah, I make up songs. Sure, there I you make go. Up songs. It's okay. hard for me. Like you know, I don't really like actively play music much anymore. I'll, I'll play at home and write some tunes still, but it's hard for me to not be kind of like walking around in the day to day and not just grab my phone and write down a line of lyrics or exactly. something. You know, even if yeah. I'm never going to look at it again. Yep or piece it somewhere that that is still like a constant thing that i can't seem to shake right with or without a melody um maybe both yeah you know sometimes Mm -hmm. with sometimes without yeah yeah i definitely sing to myself whilst walking down the street trying not to make eye contact with anyone (laughs) because yeah that's some of the best writing time just walking that that rhythm is very conducive i think so it's like totally a thing though where you're just like as you're writing and creating a new song you're just kind of storing these things mentally as far as the lyrics and not getting to a point where you need to really write them down and just referencing voice memos and whatnot for those demo versions yep it really haunts me too because i can't even think about the thousands of hours of i'm never going to go through them all but i i'm trying to get better i'm just trying to be more systematic (laughs) in life in general like I I've started writing lyrics more now I don't I don't really like in some ways writing lyrics because I would rather sing and just kind of syllables and sounds and then I feel like something is sometimes lost in translation when I have to nail down like words and then and then it gives it a specific meaning as opposed to like just the free form sort of yeah gibberish singing I guess I appreciate your your lyrics quite a bit going through all of the records and just uh but also I think the way you use your voice and the space it holds like often feels like it it is not just, you know, a vehicle for the lyrics but it's also very much an instrument and I don't know. I think like when I listen to your music I immediately thought of Beth Orton. I don't oh, know cool. if that's like registers for you at all, but like that's one of my favorite singers and you evoke like a, a very similar emotion to me of like what she is able to do with her mm-hmm. voice and the dynamics of it. And it feels like, I don't know, a lot of your songs kind of showcase your voice very differently as well. Oh, that's cool. I'll take it. <laughs> I don't know Beth Orton's music very much, but I've heard that I've heard that comparison before and it's extremely 
lovely sugaring <laughs> season you gotta check out sugaring season okay i'm writing it's a, this it's a great record <laughs> i definitely have heard like the hits is she still i feel like i haven't heard i don't think she's put out anything lately, out but... in the last like a few years but uh yeah she's got some uh some really killer records yeah and it just like and such an interesting voice yeah absolutely and uh interesting in a good way by the way yes <laughs> obviously <laughs> yeah was there also just like an appeal to you to do something a little bit left of center with the tunes because i don't know it just feels like there's a, there's a lot of unique choices in the delivery of things or or even the the instrumentation at times like thinking about uh runaway Oh, interesting. You yeah. <laughs> just like, I don't know, you like on that one, that, that seems to be like a really clear represent, representation, to me at least, like of how you use the vocal as an instrument. Oh, cool. Well, that song, I guess I bought this accordion at a, uh, like at a, I don't know what, what you call it, like a junk sale or whatever. And it's such a cool sounding accordion, but it kind of sounds like my voice. Like, I feel like there's this reedy quality and it kind it almost sounds like it's two of me like doubled. And then that song also has like a whole chorus of my voice. Um, it was like a choir of me, but yeah, that was that's so funny. Cause I, I don't even think I was going to record it. And I sent, um, the producer that I worked with on that last record, Chris Stringer, I sent him a bunch of stuff like just demos that I'd made. And that was one of them. It was just like this weird ass song that like has this weird kind of pickup part. And then it goes into like several different time signatures. Anyway. And of all the songs he was like, you got to do, he really liked that one, which I was surprised. And yeah. So we kind of recreated, that was sort of my, that's how a lot of my demos are that I make. There's like a ton of my vocals and then just whatever weird instruments are at my house. So that's how that came about. But I think that's the first song i ever wrote on the accordion like i don't know how to really play i've been yeah. learning since then but but i feel really proud of that song actually because it's because yeah it's kind of weird and but at the same time it's sort of like very it's almost like a standard issue like i don't know it's like a very simple kind of pop song in terms of like the the sentiment of it yeah. and like the, the melody so, but it's yeah. just like filtered through this accordion, so yeah. it makes it feel like so different. And I was like, I was very curious if you had actually written that initial idea on the accordion, or if yeah, hundred percent. Have you always kind of like gravitated to things that were, that were weirder, like kind of like left of center, unconventional yeah, when I it mean, comes to music? I feel like that's true. I feel like I'm drawn to what is weird or interesting, like especially being a self-taught musician, I would often make like a weird mistake and then be like, oh, that sounds dope. And now that I'm not that I'm like a super hotshot guitar player, but now it's so much more familiar. That doesn't happen as much. And you fall into these well-worn patterns. So... Therefore, it's kind of fun to be like, now I'm going to play the piano yeah. and make a weird, cool mistake or just not know, not know what to expect necessarily. But I really want my songs to be a little bit weird. I don't know if I've thought about that before. It's an interesting question. I think just because that's what is interesting to me. Because I write a lot of songs that never would see the light of day because I find them a little bit boring. <laughs> just like a little too on the nose or, yeah yeah i don't know it's because to me like listening to the music you know like whether it's the the previous records or the new one it's not like it feels necessarily like experimental it just feels like you know unique choices are being made to make it feel you know not so repetitive or you know there's just uh these little things happening sometimes in the production that gives it something extra or even just watching you play that solo set yeah i just thought you were like killing on the guitar as well okay. and and just like your style of playing like felt different to me as well like and yeah i don't know it just oh, seems yeah again i think it's also from being from not knowing what 
what I'm doing. That's probably been helpful in some ways. But I think of like, like there's certain, this is going to sound so dumb, like there's certain kinds of chords because I don't, again, I don't really have like a lot of musical training, but like there's certain chords or changes or little um, things that I think of as being like special. <laughs> it sounds so silly. It's almost like a special effect, like going to, you know, uh, something unexpected or not even necessarily unexpected. I don't even know. I have to think about this more and be more articulate. But yeah, the, I guess maybe that's what I respond to as a listener. Just something that's like, my partner has this theory about music that good music is like nine. I don't remember the exact ratio, but it's like 90% familiar and 10% like weird, basically something like that. So it's like enough that you're comfortable but then you're just like a little bit uncomfortable but just kind of in the right balance and so i think there's something to that yeah do you also think that uh you gravitate towards new instruments to bring that out of yourself as far as that songwriting because you are self-taught at a lot of things and you're just like stuck with like whatever rudimentary thing Mm -hmm. you understand and have to build on that and you can't be like so overly technical or like overthink it so much yeah totally and at the same time now sometimes i feel like like at one point i went pretty nuts where i would have like i would do a show where i would have um bass pedals i would have this kind of one-man band thing set up where i would have bass pedals i would put like a metronome and then sample it and then have like weird effects that i would put on it in real time and then kind of be looping things like i was doing all this all this jazz and then it was like such a pain in the ass and it often didn't work well like it would cause a lot of feedback and problems during my set and I would be like lugging all this gear around and so I definitely had a moment at some point where I was like I got to get back to basics and maybe my energy like would be better spent learning my instrument better rather than bringing in all this like technology (laughs) so and again I mean I think it's a balance it it all depends but um so then I kind of went way in the opposite way and started playing just like completely stripped down so were you when you were amidst the the college years were you uh playing a lot in other people's groups filling in on different instruments or was it more focused on your solo music yeah, probably both. I did I did a lot of singing with other people, which I really, um, which I still do, um, but not as much, especially because I've been, bef- in, before COVID, I was on tour a lot, but I really love singing with people and I would play, yeah, like I feel like we all had so many bands um, back in the day and I had some kind of stuff that was my solo project. I played in a band, I played in like a post no wave girl band that was really loud and annoying they were really good (laughs) but my whole job in that band all i did was play um bass parts on a synth so i would like literally go like (laughs) and uh man that was such a loud band A little bit different than what I saw today. Yeah, yeah, a little bit different. <laughs> do you find that you like learn things about your voice or like what you're able to do vocally when you're kind of removed from the songwriting and you're kind of just there as a, a backup vocalist or offering your, you know, instrumentation in those kinds of situations? Yeah, totally. I mean, it's re- especially as a singer, it's so fun to just show up and not have to like carry, especially compared to like a drummer. Um, I love singing with other people. It's so much fun being a side man, side person. Um, And I just, I love even just kind of, you know, singing covers. And there's just a lot less ego, I guess. When it's my own songs, I'm extremely self-conscious. I even, one of, I feel like on the last record, I had a technique that I would pretend that I was singing a backup vocal when I was doing my lead vocal because I get so self-conscious. But if I could just tell myself or I try, I don't know, like I try to be fancy. Like I'm very, I think as a singer, it's easy to be like vain and and be thinking about like how it sounds. And then that is a bad like feedback loop (laughs) to get into. So I had this technique where I was like, I'm going to just pretend then I'm singing a backup vocal and just do and just like hit it really straight on and don't try to do any like fancy flourishes or 
or whatever and then those takes ended up being so much better so yeah it's a little tip for all you for all you divas out there is it also nice to kind of like not have the pressure to always be like playing your own music if you need that outlet in some ways yeah yeah totally um i mean it's funny too especially being a sort of in this role of a singer songwriter where i'm like the band leader so it's i mean i have wonderful collaborators um and it's often kind of the same cast of characters but it's a bit of a revolving door where it's like um it can be yeah it's just different than being like in a full-on band where you're like a unit and you um it's always kind of me i'm like the boss in that way and that's such a weird thing that can be challenging I was just watching, uh, I've watched it a couple times now since it came out, that Alanis Morissette documentary that came out recently. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. It's so good, but it's it's all, you know, based around Jagged Little Pill coming out and that blowing up and just at her at like 20 years old and her manager is just like, hey, just to let you know, you need to be the manager of your band now. Like as as this young person in the world, like experiencing all of this, you know, huge success and records blowing up and you also need to uh make sure that you uh you're running this shit and yeah. they know that oh man <laughs> she's from ontario by the way yeah absolutely represent another canadian gem yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> ottawa shout out to all my ottawa friends <laughs> so it, there is like a lot of collaboration still in what you're doing even as a solo artist you have like a committee of people that you like to bounce ideas off of, of as far as your songs that you're working on and whatnot yeah totally and it's it's a nice i guess i kind of like to have it both ways because i'm such a loner i think that's why i've been sort of drawn to songwriting all my life is it's a way to be very solitary and and then at the same time it's really nice especially with the band to work out arrangements and i've never been I've never really wanted to um, show up in the studio with a studio band. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I just, I feel like I'd rather, like the new album is we recorded, you know, live off the floor. And um, I just, even if the players are amazing, I feel like I won't be comfortable unless we've already, you know, run through stuff and rehearsed it and come up with ideas. I know you can do that stuff just in the studio. Um I think of it as like a singer songwriter with then the band is like superimposed on top of it. Yeah. Whereas I would rather, even as a solo artist, I kind of, yeah, I like that idea of working stuff out, not in the studio. And then, and then you end up tweaking it and you sort of, again, it's like kind of the best of both, I guess. Yeah. And you also just like kind of have a desire to have a connection to the people in the room that are playing with you instead of like you're saying, just kind of having studio musicians, maybe that, just show up for the day to do the thing and you don't really know them that well yeah exactly absolutely yep uh sparrow for my heart is uh off the the getaway record is one of my favorites of yours and i was curious if uh are you typically writing lyrics from like your own point of view or is it uh a character's point of view at times or just references to to stories that you've heard oh that's interesting i don't know i don't know if i know the answer to that like that song i definitely i wrote that so long ago but i just had the little riff and i didn't have lyrics for it that's a good example of like i didn't really want to write lyrics because i just had that it was just about the way that kind of melody falls and so and so i feel like i came up with lyrics for that that's it's sort of like after the fact I can say what it's about. You know what I mean? Like I can sort of like, I can um, impose some kind of meaning on it. But it's not, I didn't sit down to be like, let's write a song about this. But I mean, that soon is kind of about, it's kind of about running away, I guess. That there was, the inspiration of that actually is that my father had heart condition and he once made a comment it was an it was like a happy moment like we were having like a family dinner and it was like very nice and it was cheesy and he was like oh this he said something about this makes my heart sore and we all were like oh that's nice and then i was like wait a minute sore can mean <laughs> that can mean like flying 
or it can mean pain. And so, yeah, that's that's a little bit about the, where the lyrics of that song came from. Still my heart Don't start Don't start bleeding Hey everybody, just wanted to take a quick minute to let you know that this episode of the podcast is sponsored by North 45 Pub, located in the Alphabet District of Northwest Portland. They've got a killer selection of Belgian beers and an extensive liquor wall with over 200 bottles. Muscles and Fritz are on the menu. Their cheeseburger is lights out and they've always got some killer weekly specials as well. Aside from the menu items and beverages, they've got this awesome covered patio that is heated throughout the fall and winter with a bunch of big screens to watch all your favorite sports. And the best part is they have DJs playing tunes there every Tuesday night from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. and Sundays 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. So come through North 45 Pub for some tunes and some food. Let's get back to the episode. Like, do you find yourself, like, writing more often from, like, your point of view and your experiences in the world? Or is it, is it like, do you like to write when you hear a, someone else's story? Like, right, I, right. I felt like UFO was maybe a good example of this. You you mm-hmm. talked a little bit about that today, about how this is, like, just some drunken story you heard. Or, yeah. you know, is it is it often, like, something like that where you do just hear this random story somewhere that leads to you maybe writing a tune or just hearing like something in passing in a conversation, just one line that maybe inspires something. Yeah. I see what you mean. Like, I think it's definitely a combination, but it's still, it's still always me. Like even that thing about the UFO, then I like turn it into my story in a way. I mean, it's written in the first person. I guess that doesn't mean it's autobiographical, but it's that thing where I'm like, for example, with that, tune i was like well it's interesting to me that even as a person who has not ever seen a ufo and therefore doesn't quote unquote believe in them but i still spend a lot of time staring up at the sky and sort of thinking about the cosmos and there's just just such a kind of universal thing for for a human so yeah i feel like it's me like metabolizing all these different stories and ideas and then and then just just puking it out in song form. <laughs> oh, that sounds really gross. <laughs> it sounds m- much nicer <laughs> okay, when it's good. when it's happening. It's it doesn't yeah. sound gross. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> it's very beautiful, actually. Like your voice is incredible. It's it's so killer. It was it was so rad to see oh, the cool. set today. Yeah, I was just like very blown away. So it was, thanks. Yeah. yeah, I love to sing. I'm definitely now. I'm like losing my voice after a week of South by and now. And now being here, but. And have you always like felt pretty comfortable in the space, like in the live setting and, and sharing your tunes and being revealing of your yourself in some way and developing the, the stage banter and whatnot? <laughs> I mean, it's funny that it comes across as me being comfortable. Yeah, I feel I, like I'm so awkward. I feel completely like overcome by anxiety at all times performing <laughs> but i mean i guess on some level that's the there's kind of a tension there i guess because i must i mean obviously well like i said before i'm such a loner and and yet and like i'm very introverted and yet i do a thing where i go and <laughs> in front of people and sing my song so there must be some kind of a uh contradiction there or like a tension between those two impulses i guess yeah, well, I think it's also maybe that that awkwardness can come across as uh, charming or authentic. It's not right. like it doesn't feel like you're trying to do weird shit to do weird <laughs> shit. You know, it just feels like you're, you know, you're just up there doing the thing. But also you do look incredibly like comfortable in what you're doing when you're playing the tunes. And, you know, it's that doesn't look like it doesn't feel like the person on stage is is 
out of control or like has lost the audience in some way because it doesn't look like they you know handle themselves i guess in oh, a that's way. Cool. yeah like you had that like this that was not a quiet room by any means like but i meant i silenced wise. them but you but eventually like, it was uh i don't know that was cool to see that everybody paid attention and everybody did quiet down once you got going and like you didn't have to ask them to do that like it was just the command of the room in, of some way no 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 yeah i don't think you can ask for that <laughs> yeah i feel like it has to happen yeah no, it's true. I mean, I'm so I feel so awkward, but I I have worked really hard to not be self-deprecating, especially on stage or or just that thing of like if someone like says something nice after the show and like I don't know, I feel like when I was younger I, or uh, lots of people it, it's hard to just take a compliment or right. it's hard not to be like, "Oh, I say so, I, I just try not to say anything negative because it's there's no I feel like it's like well, it sounds so corny but it's like people have come it's like a respect for the audience thing in a way but and again not that everyone everyone is is different but i think it's also like i feel like it harms my performance if i'm gonna if i'm gonna say something bad about my performance so therefore yeah but it's my impulse is always to like be super (laughs) self-deprecating so it's a work in progress for sure does it feel different to you up there when when it does feel like you have that quiet of a room opposed to i mean you've been playing slow folky music for a long time i would imagine you've been in quite a few situations where it hasn't been so quiet when you're playing yeah i sort of enjoy i guess it's a masochistic thing but i kind of enjoy the challenge um especially because i didn't really grow up doing a lot of folky I wasn't really connected with like a folk music scene so I would play at like I don't know like indie rock venues and things and it was often like a real challenge but there would most often come that moment where people would would the hush would fall over the crowd and that's like so satisfying and I actually find it really hard to play in a quiet room and I've been so lucky especially the last few years to play like a lot nicer like listening rooms and kind of you know like soft theater like kind of nice places where people are are quiet and I find it so hard <laughs> it's so much easier when no one's listening in a way because the, there's like no pressure and and then I'm not thinking about about it and then again it's that sort of feedback loop of like if you're thinking about it you're not in the moment and anyways you get you get the picture so but anyway it's a good problem to have sure. playing nicer shows <laughs> people are listening going through all of your records it feels like each of them you know have their their own vibe to them and there's these shifts that happen and i was curious if that was like a conscious decision on your part to just kind of always want to have something that feels fresh or do you feel like that just kind of happens naturally as you know your your own style evolves or like as you're listening to new music and if that like really infects what you're writing at that moment yeah i don't know how deliberate it is but i do feel like the the new album stolen time i really wanted to try something a little bit different as far as you know like i said it was it was recorded live off the floor there was no we didn't have any click tracks it was a lot more of a loose process and I feel like I can kind of hear that in in the songs like just I even just the fact that I was do like doing all my vocal vocals like live while playing which is obviously a lot more natural so yeah it's I'm I'm happy with how it turned out I don't feel like the album has a super cohesive sound which almost is by design because again I really like having like some of the songs are more fully instrumented with the band and some of them are more stripped down yeah. and kind of things in between those two so i almost wanted it to be like a like a mixtape like they would sound like each song could be almost from a different album in a way yeah i mean i i think that yeah it does feel like it, each song is maybe different from each other but it all feels like it belongs together still and maybe it's just like the way it was recorded because i think mm-hmm. that was like that was my big takeaway from listening to this new record and just kind of it feels like you're in the room just listening to it you know that's cool if that that makes sense like Mm -hmm. it it 
just like I think that uh yeah, I guess that's just capturing it the way yeah that you did cuz mm-hmm. I don't know, it just uh it doesn't feel like there's any studio magic going on. You okay. know, it just feels like like a band. This is the raw thing that was happening there and like it it still sounds like big to me and it still sounds like very polished at times too but it it uh yeah it just doesn't feel like too much magic happened to like make these songs right okay yeah that's neat but yeah i guess they all have the same kind of physics of being in that room and it was a really fun studio to record at too we went to montreal last spring and um and just kind of hunkered down and yeah talk to me about recording and working with uh howard billerman on on the record and and what what he brought to uh stolen time and maybe how he changed your approaches to things if if at all yeah um working with howard was really cool i've known him for a a lot of years because we i i used to live in montreal and we sort of i knew him a little bit we like were neighbors in mile end at one point and I recorded at his old studio once I just did some demos there, but we haven't really had a chance to work together before. So yeah, I was really glad it worked out. I mean, Howard's is pretty, he's just a very, um, he's made so many great records and I feel like, um, yeah, it was a really good experience as far as, I guess kind of what I, what I was saying, like that it was just a very, open you know we kind of had a lot of latitude to to do our thing but at the same time he was like very gently kind of guiding and giving input and he had a lot of cool suggestions for musicians but I don't know he's like a very easygoing person he's not super set like you know like we didn't like I was saying we didn't use a click track and it was kind of often um I feel like he's someone that really values that pretty raw I mean, I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth, but, um, yeah, just music that sounds like music that sounds like people in a room and, and that sounds like a version of, of the song. So yeah, I feel like he subtly shaped a lot of the sound of the record in a really nice way. Yeah. Is, uh, is there moments amidst that where maybe a producer like Howard kind of offers you some insight into a one of your songs that you didn't really like see before or like helps you more clearly understand how to bridge certain gaps or get places. Yeah, totally. And like, I don't want to use the word competent because it sounds like you're damning with faint praise, but I just feel like he's someone that is obviously like, like some of it would be very technical things like, well, not very tech, but like performance things like, oh, you should double your guitar in this chorus because it'll just kind of beef it up, like stuff like that, like pretty straight ahead stuff. But then in other moments there were like, for example, that song Land of Plenty, we, I just played the song and we recorded it. It was very simple, like electric guitar and vocals. And then there was a lot of discussion about what were we going to do? Should I put some, like, we had this great pedal steel player in mind to maybe do some overdubs and maybe, I don't know, maybe as far, like, just as far as the arrangement of it, we were, like, chatting about it. And then I think, I mean, I think it was a mutual thing, but in the end, we kept it, like, very simple and didn't add all this, like, kind of fancy flourishes <laughs> I feel like that's the second time I've said the phrase fancy flourishes <laughs> this is my lack of musical vocabulary coming the, through uh, Abigail LaPelle uh, drinking game for exactly. this episode of the podcast take a shot take a shot <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> fell in love with a sailor's daughter only the sailor I guess it was just a nice like I don't know what the word is like just allowing the music to be in a certain way and um, I feel like that's super valuable as as a collaborator 
and so so i guess my point with that song is yeah we opted to keep it really stripped down and um and again if i'd you know if i'd wanted to beef it up with more fancy flourishes that that would have been fine i always felt like i guess that's the cool thing is that i always i didn't feel like i had to like fight for my choices or whatever but it just felt like a nice collaboration as far as um what would serve the song well and a song like that you could take it in so many ways because it could just be like a very nashville sounding kind of folky song but i think in the end it was more special the way it ended up yeah and is it easy for you to detach from like maybe your initial ideas when you're kind of in that situation and and maybe let go of like what you thought your vision was when you maybe hear a better idea yeah i mean yes and no because i'm pretty open like i think again on this album it felt like it it didn't feel challenging in that way at all because there were some things where i knew what i wanted and and it was almost kind of you know to the letter like i would have a specific part for the strings or something like that and then at other points i was kind of more open and there were some some nice surprises too where i think it was for example the the icy music song which is a piano tune and i wanted strings on it i wanted this kind of almost cheesy like orchestral kind of a sound and and then Howard's idea was to put horns in it and I think I I think that might have been one where at first I was like I had a specific idea in mind but it was I feel like it was the right choice like a hundred percent and again if I'd really felt strongly about it it wouldn't have been a question but yeah I think I'm pretty man I feel like I'm pretty easy going and then if I do know what I want then I'm able to advocate for, for it yeah. uh the piano playing on pines is one of my f- favorite things on on the record oh, cool. yeah that one just kills for nice. sure it's so much it's just nice too because in, again in the past i've done and not that there's anything wrong with that but i've more especially with piano i've i've done vocals separately because it's so hard to to get any separation you know you're like playing this loud instrument and so there's so much piano in the vocal mic and vice versa. And But this one, yeah, we just recorded it live with... That's what I mean as far as um, working with Howard. is like he does not care about stuff like that. Like if, if I wanted to do it separately, I guess I could have. But I feel like he'll say things like, well, do you... How do you play the song live? Like as, you know, I don't... I only make a record not that often, but I go and play shows like all the time so that's definitely more my comfort zone and i think it so it's nice that that was able to to come through on the record yeah and represents some of that that spirit that is in the live show even totally. when there isn't a full band accompanying you or anything yeah. like that yep also i've been t- trying to teach myself piano during the during the pandemic um i got some piano books from the library right. and i was learning some scales and stuff like that so you know hopefully hopefully the <laughs> The discerning listener <laughs> can hear some of that in the <laughs> in the takes. Snow in the valley and flashes a feather Who's somebody that you feel like has had just like a really big impact on how you operate as a as a musician or just like a creative in in some form? Oh, that's a great question. Like as far as another musician? Yeah, either music or just like, I don't know, it can be anybody that maybe has just made you think about the way you approach life i mean this is your your life right this is your journey your your path is is traveling around (laughs) playing music hopefully when there's not pandemics going on and and things like that truly yeah it's true i mean i mean i guess my partner is an audio engineer and we talk about music not surprisingly a lot but he mostly listens to like experimental improv jazz music which is not necessarily my cup of tea but I feel like I've learned a lot from 
from him like especially in terms of what i'm talking about like um like man he doesn't believe in uh, in like uh, any kind of synthetic rhythm or i just think it's yeah the idea that like all music is is improvised basically and so i i guess that was a big influence on this album in particular because i wanted to try a little bit more of an organic approach and I mean, I could think of a lot of, a lot of um, artists, but like, I feel like it's that thing where it's like none of those, if you name any like great record from history, like none of them had a click track. <laughs> and again, not, I mean, it's a, there are tools like there, there's a time and a place for it. I'm not like against a click track for all time, but yeah, that's the kind of, that's the kind of stuff I've been thinking about a lot. Yeah. And because you're self-taught at a lot of things, do you feel like you're often just the sponge in the room when you're around other people that are like very technically sound at things or like people that you admire their instrumentation? You're just trying to like learn from them and and figure out how you can pick up on what they're doing. Yeah, totally. But I mean, it's, it can be intimidating. So I guess it's, I I mean, I get imposter syndrome as a, not so much as a songwriter, just because I, like I said, it, writing songs is like breathing to me. I don't know how to not write a song, but as far as even when you ask me about who influenced, I get I kind of get like anxious. Like, oh, am I gonna say it? it's like I'm I'm gonna like fail the test of like thinking of someone. So and because so many of my friends are so knowledgeable about different genres and eras and geographies of music, and I feel like I don't know. I kind of I kind of like what I what I like and so many of the bands that have meant the most to me are like just kind of random like friends bands over the years where it's not necessarily any one album or genre or something that is um yeah so yeah well I uh I appreciate your tunes quite a bit and your your approach to storytelling I think you're this uh this stolen time record is is probably my favorite out of the records that you've put out and uh but yeah, like I said, I think they all kind of offer a, a different experience within them. So it's it's nice to uh, it's nice when I get to talk to somebody like you that I like not super familiar with your music until two weeks ago. But I have like these few records to go through mm-hmm. and kind of like see the progressions and the growth and the the changes and stuff. And then to get to see you play earlier before we talked is always helpful as well just to kind of see like what kind of spirit you bring to that and uh yeah it's been great i love the tunes and i would encourage people to you know pick up one of these vinyl copies with stolen time or all like any of the other records you've got a couple other ones that are uh available on the uh the real wax as well they don't have to just stream this stuff so i'll make sure to put the uh the links in the episode notes so people can uh keep up with what you're doing i want to play the episode out with the title track which is stolen time awesome do you remember anything about writing and recording this one that that sticks out to you yeah i mean again it's it's kind of nice as far as like i feel that it sounds like kind of like a live take um and i was really um christine bougie plays um plays lap steel and she's like a really great player from Toronto and Dan Fortin played bass and Danny Nash played drums and sang. Oh, and, um, oh my goodness, Katie Moore from Montreal sang on this one too. So that was, that was kind of a fun, like, I feel like it has an, it just has a nice build to it. Like I'm, it starts off kind of soft and then at the end, this is the most like belting of the album. So yeah, that's all I'll say. Very cool. Yeah. Well, we're going to play it out with Stolen Time off the Stolen Time record. And uh, we end every episode of the podcast, Abigail, with the guest saying the tagline for the show, which is, it's a program. So if we could get the Abigail LaBelle, it's a program. We can properly uh, sail this thing out. It's a program. She nailed it, everybody. (laughs) That's Abigail. I'll put all the links in the episode notes so you can keep up with her. And uh, that's the Jelly Jams. And we will catch you on the flip side tree fort boise portland toronto canada wherever you are listening from
just want to give a big shout out to Distro Kid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Can't say thank you enough to Distro Kid for their support of this thing. And make sure you go into the episode notes and find that Distro Kid link to receive 30% off your first year of membership with Distro Kid, making their already affordable prices even cheaper for you. So make sure you take advantage of that. And the link is also in uh, the link in my Instagram bio on the link tree. So you can find it there as well. Big thanks to DistroKid. Stay up, stay tuned.